Welcome in. This is the Fundamental Analysis Show on Chit Chat Money. My name is Brett Schaefer, and I'm here, as always, with Ryan Henderson. And today we're talking Airbus, a European company, actually a listed in Paris. Uh, but you can still yeah. invest on the OTC markets in the United States. They are the Boeing competitor. So, Ryan, do you want to get into what they do and then talk the history of the company? Yep. Airbus is a European uh, aerospace corporation. So they design, manufacture, and deliver commercial aircrafts, helicopters, uh, military transport, satellites, and launch vehicles. Um, they are headquartered in, is it Lieben, Netherlands? Might be Leiben. Leiben, Netherlands. Um, And they help form basically a duopoly in the aerospace industry, which is uh, through their direct competition with Boeing. They basically do a lot of the same stuff. Um, uh, So a little bit about the history. Here's my problem with these big companies. When it comes to the history and stuff, like they control the narrative online with what's said. Yeah, Wiki- I mean, Wikipedia is whatever, but like they have the whole page. They're trying to, you know, do decade by decade. This is the innovations we gone through every yeah. year and stuff like that. I'm like, know. just, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't pick up all the notes that they had there, but uh, Airbus was formed in 1970. Um, the goal was to fill a market niche of short to medium, medium range, high capacity jetliners. In 1972, Airbus ran the first flight of the world's first wide body twin engine aircraft. Since then, they had a whole bunch of like, oh, first flight for this air, first flight for this version, first flight, and all that crap. So they've obviously evolved their production and the type of planes that they're putting out. Um, but they went public in 2000 on the Paris Stock Exchange, and I don't know if you guys really want to want the history, you can go read about it. It wasn't super fascinating. Yeah, then I'll get into the valuation, what really everyone cares about, and that is they have a market cap of $42.4 billion, ticker is AIR.PA, that is a Paris listing. They also have, I think it is EADPY for the OTC markets in the United States, but just look up the company and you'll be able to find it. Their stock price in the United States is $52.30, or no, not United States, I think that's the European listing, but whatever, it's $52.34 as of April 25th. 2020 when we're uh, recording this all these financials are very volatile though because they do have a lot of industry things that are going on with the travel industry and you know fair warning they could change rather quickly especially in these time periods their ford pe is 14.5 their price to sales is 0.6 um trailing though they have these fines uh that have hurt profitability what was it almost 4 billion euros this year yeah uh, for or EV to EBITDA is 9.25. Trailing dividend yield is 3.32%, which is very strong. Negative $6 billion in working capital. That is mainly from current liabilities of contract and trade liabilities. So they have a lot of contracts they have to fulfill. Those are liabilities, but technically I bet those are very long. Or no, those are current ones that they have to fill. So that's kind of important. And then their trade liabilities, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but they are pretty big, um, and that's why they have that negative working capital number. Yeah. They have less than $10 billion in financing debt, though, which is not too bad compared to their cash flow. I'd be surprised if they didn't take out some debt, though. Yeah, they probably will if business slows for the next uh, few I mean, months or maybe even a year or so. Yeah, and I know a lot of the airlines are in con- – like these are long-term contracts with customers for Airbus. Um so the airlines basically sign these contracts saying we're going to get take delivery of this many planes over this much time. I don't know if they can go back on that, but I don't think the airlines have a whole lot of money to spend right now. So 
Um, I'll, I'll dig into the earnings though. Uh, full year 2019 revenue was 76.4 billion, up 11% year over year, and obviously this is pre-corona impact. 14.5% um, of the top line came from the defense segment. Um, adjusted EBIT was 7.5 billion, up 19% year over year. It's very important that you that you hear that right it's adjusted ebit because reported ebit was 1.4 billion which is actually down 73% year over year and that is primarily due to the 3.9 billion dollar fine due to um over the allegations of bribery and corruption with jetliner sales oh really it's been like a four year thing that they've been digging into it and apparently it is the biggest incident of bribery ever Wow. According to anti-corruption experts, that's what I saw. So, um, yeah, not not great. Uh, definitely not a good look for them. They had to restructure management because of it. Um, but I'll get into the rest of the numbers. Net commercial aircraft orders increased to 768 aircrafts, up from 747 in 2018. $3.8 billion in consolidated free cash flow. Decent number there. $13.5 billion in net cash. And they increased their dividend to $1.95, up 9% year over year. So, Aside from the fines, which are real expenses, relatively solid year, um, revenue up 11%, uh, adjusted EBIT up around 20 and free cash flow. I wasn't, I think that was down year over year, but altogether looks decent aside from, and it feels like, to me, it feels like this is a business that has a lot of one-time expenses that aren't one-time. Like They classify them as one-time, and they always have one-time every year. But when you look into it, you're like, well, if you're always having these one-time expenses, is are they actually one-time expenses, or should they be included um, into the earnings statement? And if you look at those numbers, though, the adjusted numbers versus the market cap, it's actually very strong, um, and the valuation looks to be, to be quite low. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Welcome back. Uh, next up is the second half of the show, and that means digging trenches, uh, which is just the moat rating, zero through three. Um, I guess if we want to explain it for any new listeners, three is like super strong you would invest in. Zero means they have no moat, and it's probably something to be concerned about. And one to two is like, eh, it's kind of just whatever. It's probably not something to be concerned about or to invest in. So what do you think about uh, with Airbus? Yeah, so when you when you think of sort of the traditional metrics that establish a moat, is the industry expensive to get into? Um, like, can can it be disrupted by a startup? Check. Aerospace, they cannot. Um, well, it's, it's it's possible. It's tough. It's tough. Very capital intensive. So that part they check. Um, and then as far as market share and competition, I have a number that I'll talk about later on, but they have, I saw that they had 62.5% market share in 2019. Obviously, that was due to a huge collapse in orders from Boeing's side because of the 737 MAX issues. Um, but it's basically a duopoly in the aerospace industry. So I'm going to go with a two because you're either taking, you're either buying from Airbus or buying from Boeing. Yeah, and there, it's things get political. You know, sometimes the American companies yeah. uh, maybe even, two and a half. Yeah, I think it honestly be more two and a half. Um, it's not something you like Boeing and Airbus. Would I invest in either of those companies? I mean, at this point, maybe you just can't uh, give but, them a three when it's obviously a duopoly. Like, because there is, you know, there is an alternative. It's, yeah, it is, and there's nothing they can really specialize. Um, the the tech is very very similar, and it takes years and years. Which 
it takes you know a long time for competitors to get in, but it's really mm-hmm. hard to differentiate yourself. You don't know, I and mean, you can't really tell whether you have an Airbus versus a Boeing. Maybe pilots can tell, but that's mm-hmm. not the core audience, and that's why the pricing power, similar to someone like I know the classic examples, Uber or Lyft. Um, it's it's kind of tough, but well, let's get to the next segment here, and that is further reading. What are you looking at uh, if you were going to invest in this company? What would you want to research further? Yeah, so uh, supply chain is the thing I need to look into. So they have over fifteen hundred suppliers. So a, I want to know how reliant are they on them? How many of these suppliers are the only single company that can supply a certain product? Let's say they have a patent around you know a little screw that goes into a wing or something you know what i mean um so if they are exclusive what would vertical integration so let's say they acquired i know this happened um i think it was a few weeks back airbus acquired a supplier that supplies to both boeing and airbus but obviously they don't supply to boeing anymore when you buy them how does that um how does that disrupt the competition as far as uh your competitor's supply chain i'm curious what what the inner workings that's why they have these huge supplier relations departments at these aerospace companies is because it's so important and that is really where the value is made yeah and it it can impact you i mean if it goes down you know the whole thing gets ruined you know just in time manufacturing uh the whole plane can get backlogged uh for like six months or something exactly. can get delayed for six months and that could totally crush their financial statements i'll get into mine though they have i mean they have a really tough financial statements uh and i'm not saying that it's sort of like a bank where you look at it and 50 percent of the things you're looking at there's a ton of it and it's really hard to read um you're not seeing the typical things on a balance sheet there's like 50 lines sometimes on these adjusted things if i was going to invest in it i want to know out of the three main sheets operating cash flow uh statement or whatever revenue statement and earnings statement and then the balance sheet i want to make sure i know what everything means on those Mm -hmm. before i invest because if there are concerns um and i you know i don't know anything maybe i'm overlooking something and that's just not something i want to invest in it looks really easy for them to mask certain expenses or certain numbers or hide it in a different spot on the balance sheet because there were so many different adjustments there was the adjusted ebit there was net cash provided by or it was a weird net cash number that i was like all right is this straight liquid i couldn't really understand it um there was just some wording that kind of tricked me and then on top of it it it, it is in euro so you have to go through the process of converting everything yeah well that's just a little bit of busy work yeah um what do you have for future growth opportunities well it's it's tough for this business i mean because really it's defense and then aerospace or airplanes and i guess defense segment could be a growth opportunity and makes up 26 percent of revenue and it's not you mentioned probably a more specific part of it i'm including helicopters as well so i think they have a a bigger helicopter segment than boeing because they mentioned it like three or four times in the earnings statement um they are probably less cyclical than airplanes and i'm mentioning this as the defense is probably more cyclical than airplanes and I would think unless world peace happens anytime soon, which I don't think uh, will happen, uh, there's going to be demand for these things. There's going to be demand from all the top countries in the world for the new tech. And if Airbus can keep doing that, that could be a solid growth opportunity for them. That is going to be a lot more reliable than the travel industry. Yeah. Um, and I, My future growth opportunity here is just taking market share in the, this sort of time of uncertainty and especially at a time when your main competition is struggling um 
I, I could have probably come up with some other one, but I have no engineering background, and maybe there's some like new planes that they're or jets that they're introducing, but I wouldn't be able to tell you how profitable some of those things would be. Um, but their order intake increased 46% year over year in 2019. So, and that is much faster than their growth before. I, and it's that, because it's probably because the, the 737 max is out of commission. Um, and right. there's all those delays with Boeing. So people are like, Oh, we needed these planes. Maybe they don't need them now. Uh, but that's, they had to go to the only other option. Yeah, and if you're measuring market share based on deliveries, Airbus had, like I mentioned, 62.5% market share in 2019. Uh, this is as good of a time as any to try to lock in some of those customers on long-term contracts and get them exclusive or getting get them away from Boeing. Um, and it, it, as sad as it is, it's a good time to capitalize on Boeing's struggles. Yeah, I mean, well... Because Boeing's, not- Boeing's going to lose... Probably a lot of leverage, I think, in some of those uh, argue, or contract deals because airlines are saying, you know, you owe us, we, we didn't get this, all that stuff. So they're going to have a little less leverage in those contracts. I think that's a good chance for Airbus to swoop in. Yeah, it's a win. It's not a win-win market. It's a win-lose market. It's uh, right. It's not, you know, wh- whatever Boeing loses, that's Airbus's to gain. There's no other competitors out there. Uh, I'll get into the highlights and the lowlights, though. My highlights, there's no competitors besides Boeing, as we've mentioned a few times. Uh, Boeing is doing very badly, which is also good for Airbus. And historically, this has been a steadily growing industry over the long term. Uh, you know, the next few years here, we might be up in the air. Lowlights, though, they are impacted really greatly by the global travel market. And it is absolutely decimated down like 90% here. Exactly. And it probably will be for the next, I don't know, six months at least. And it won't get back to full capacity for likely the next, I mean, until probably until we get a vaccine, but that that's speculation. And then it's also tough to get around how much growth there is unless the defense segment really, really picks up. But that is not the majority part of their business. The majority part, the airplanes, it's tough to see if there's just an infinite amount of growth. There, there definitely is not. Right. Um, and my my highlights uh, are sort of similar. Well, okay, so I'll, I'll go to my lowlights first. Airplane manufacturing is a tough business. It's super asset intensive. Airbus employs 135,000 workers. There's a lot of employees that you have to have in order to run a business like this. Also, management participated in the largest bribery case ever. So, And are they still there? So they during their management overhaul, they hired a new CEO, but he was from inside the business. He was uh, the president of their commercial aircraft business. That's so... You have to go with an outsider there, like red flag. It's like Wells Fargo. Like you, you think this guy had no idea that all this was going on? I'd be very surprised. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah, that's a massive red flag for me. Although I will say they have the, the long term contracts uh, allow for stable cash flow in terms of what's coming in. I guess the cost structure might be a little different, and especially if you're paying four billion dollars in fines, but. Um, it's consistent revenue. You know what's coming in because you have this backlog. Um, so it's pretty easy to tell and you can kind of look at that. And it's also kind of developed them a pretty solid moat like we talked about. And there's probably a very low chance aerospace will be disrupted by some sort of startup. Which So those things are all good. But there's so many lowlights for me. And I, I, maybe this, this will tailor into my rating. Yeah, go ahead and start with the rating. You... We, as an investor, as an individual investor, you have the luxury of being able to pick what you want. So if it was 
like do or die between Boeing and Airbus right now, I'd probably pick Airbus, but I don't have to pick anyone in the aerospace industry. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I, I want to avoid this space. I would much rather have a business that's asset light, someone like a MongoDB who isn't as cyclical, not as affected, not as, not as much government involvement. Um, you, you, you get unlimited pitches and you don't have to swing at any of them. So I'm not going to take Airbus. I'd probably go five. They do have a decent valuation, but five. Yeah, the, the valuation, um, yeah, it seems nice. Uh, this seems like a business that a hedge fund would probably go after, you know, like one of those activists, someone that's way smarter than us, a lot more experience. You can understand how the business works, even though it's one of these really, really complicated businesses like a bank or a car manufacturer or things like that. Uh, but cause you could also, you could get the valuation bump. Um, and then you could also probably get some earnings power. If things stabilize, they're going to win some stuff over Boeing and that could be great. Um, and I think Airbus, honestly, at a $40 billion market cap, there's a chance it could be a great investment, but I don't know enough about the business. I can't understand it enough, the financials. So I'm going to go similar. I think I'm going to a little more bullish though. I think I'm going to go six, uh, definitely not getting close to where I'd pull the trigger though. I, you know, we both run uh, concentrated portfolios run yeah. or just have individual accounts right. of about 12 to 15 companies, maybe even a little less. And this really doesn't make a cut. We like asset like light. We like smaller cap. Um, and this is not really going there. So yeah, six for me, five for Ryan. You got one more. Thing? This goes to the too hard pile for me. There's, I mean, it would take months to figure out the entire business. And then there's certain like tiny things as far as like supplier relations that you have to go into. You have to go through that entire supply chain to figure out what value, what part could be disrupted. Um, if like a supplier, you know, God forbid something happened that, that messed up their business, how would it impact them? So there's just a lot of things that would take time to figure out and there's no way I'd, I'd be investing right now. Yeah, and then there's red flags on management. And you got red flags on politically. <laughs> they're that, politically yeah. they're politically driven, and they're also economically driven. The travel industry um, is really up in the air right now. Uh, so there's just quite a few red flags with Airbus, um, but that's probably why they have that low valuation. That's going to do it for this episode, though. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure, as always, to follow us on Twitter at chitchatmoney and email us chitchatmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.